I've been doing New York, LA. I did three times in the last 10 days. Every time I got upgraded. And those seats are usually $2,500 each way. Ciao tutti, it's Andy Steves here, and I'm in Rome for the Easter celebrations with Pope Francis and 50 fellow Weekend Student Adventures tour members. The weather is great, the sun is shining, and of course, the gelato is delicious. Today, we've got a famous guest on the show, Johnny Jett. Johnny is originally from Connecticut, but has more been a citizen of the world over the last couple decades, as he developed into one of the world's foremost experts on budget and point-based travel. I've been in touch with him for years since I had my own very first travel blog when I was still in high school. He's got a well-known travel discount newsletter for all sorts of travel tips, information, and last-minute specials he stumbles across. Today, he travels the world to speak at conventions and gatherings related to all things travel. Of course, you can check him out at johnnyjet.com. I hope you enjoy the show and pick up some of the great tips he has to share. Happy travels. Sharing tips, tricks, and tales from around the globe, this is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Episode 18. Welcome to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. We have a travel extraordinaire, Johnny Jett, on the line with us. He's beaming in from his home in the States. You're in California. Is that right, Johnny? I am. I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, man. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to connect today. I'm really happy to, to have you on and, uh, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. All right. So guys, listeners, Johnny Jett and I, we go, we go way back, way back. Even when I was just keeping up a, uh, like a little random student blog, Johnny was nice enough to feature me a couple times on his website, on his newsletter. Johnny Jett has an incredible resource online at johnnyjett.com where you can pick up all sorts of tips and information on how to make life on the road a little bit easier and a little bit cheaper. So Johnny, I'm uh, like I said, I'm excited to connect with you today to discuss all things travel. I think it's going to be it's going to be great here. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. So let's do just a little bit about your background, Johnny. Can you walk us through how you've made a life and a career out of out of running a, an online travel blog and an online resource? Sure. So it's kind of a long story, so I'll try to make it quick. But I grew up in Connecticut. I was always fascinated with travel, especially flying. I mean, to go from freezing cold Connecticut to hot and sunny Florida in two hours just blew my mind. It still blows my mind when I get on these planes. It's like, how do these things get off the ground and how fortunate we are to live in this time? We didn't fly very much, first of all. I only flew a handful of times growing up. And then I was diagnosed with asthma, and that really changed my life when I was 16 years old. But um, I talked my mom into this dream trip to go to Australia, and we never – traveled internationally before that. And she, she agreed because my sisters were living there at the time. And my mom brought me to the doctor and the doctor's like, you're going to Australia? You know, that's a 27 hour flight. You might have a hard time breathing because planes are pressurized. I'm like, what does that mean? Needless to say, she put the fear of God in me. Next day, I get to the airport, have a full on anxiety attack. One of the worst days of my life. I was just, I, I just said, I can't get on the plane. My mom thought I was joking. And um, when she saw me crying, she realized I was not joking. Then she started crying because she spent all this money. She wasn't going to see her daughters. <laughs> my dad started crying because he thought he had the house to himself for two weeks. <laughs> so, it was, but for the next three years, I was just seeing all kinds of shrinks and stuff. And they're like, "That's not doing it." 
And it was, it was a homeopathic doctor that changed my life. He's like, you're on too much medication. That's what's giving you the anxiety. So he, he cut my medication back. And next thing you know, I go to school in California, which has always been my dream. And now I live here. And, um, but while I was in school, I met a girl whose parents lived all around the world and she invited me to go visit them. And I was in, um, I went to go to Hong Kong and it was like, wow. What And she only flew, by the way, she only flew business class and I never knew what it was like on the other side of that curtain, but I wasn't Mm going to sit in the back of the bus while she's uh, up front (laughs) sipping champagne. So I had to find my my first cheap ticket or international ticket, especially business class. And I found one for $300 more, talked my dad into buying it, went, fell in love with uh, Hong Kong, travel, came home. I had so many miles from that one trip that I was like, man, this is a racket. I could fly for free in the U.S. for one or two trips. So I just started reading everything, asking questions, dating flight attendants, and then uh, I'm just kidding about the last. <laughs> Actually, I did date a flight attendant. I did learn a lot of tricks from her. But that's where I really started learning it. And I, and I took a job as a college recruiter. And usually when you're a college recruiter, you're just driving around local high schools. But everyone quit in the office. So all of a sudden I had 26 dates. I was going to Hawaii three times a year, Florida, New York, Connecticut. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I was going to high schools trying to get them to come to the college I was working for that I actually went to school at as well. And um, so, yeah, I got really lucky. And, you know, once you go up front, it's very difficult to go in the back. So, You're telling me, man, I've been fortunate enough on random situations to, to, to get into those full flat reclining beds flat. up in the front. Yeah. And I just, it's, uh, it's so brutal when you have to go back in the back again. <laughs> it is. So if you've never flown first class before, don't do it unless you can keep doing it. Yeah. So this is where you got your start and then, um, the internet boom happens and you're like, let's start writing a blog or how do you start to make a living off it as well as chasing that, that travel dream? Right. Well, so, uh, this was 1995 and when I graduated college and I took this job at the college and email was brand new back then. And so, you know, I just started sharing my tips and secrets cause they hired everyone in the office cause they hired all my friends and we were on a really tight budget. And I was like, listen, hey, we can stay at a really nice hotel on a one-star budget if you just follow these tips or check out these new websites. And the websites were brand new back then. I mean, and I just started teaching these little things to my friends. I'd send out this email blast, you know, and then they started sending me their friends. They say, hey, my friends want to get on this list. Can I get on? And I was like, sure. I just started CCing everybody. I didn't know what blind carbon copy was. And um, I had this huge list. And then I started teaching at the uh, national conferences. You know, I'd go to these college conferences where they're teaching about financial aid, but someone was doing one on travel. So I was like, I went to it. I was like, I know more than this guy. And we actually teamed up together and we did a really good job. And we had just full house every time. And people are like, you need to come up with a website and a, and a, and a name. And my nickname growing up was Johnny Jetski because I used to jet ski on Long Island Sound. There and I was like, go. hey, I'm – I'm not Polish. I might as well just drop drop the ski. And sure enough, Johnny Jet was available. Actually, back then, McDonald's was available. Nike. I could have made billions. <laughs> but um, I was fortunate to get you know the URL I wanted. And just I had a student worker create a very basic website for me. I just wanted mm-hmm. to show what was out there. You know, back then, even today, people want to keep you on their websites as long as they can. I didn't. I just wanted to show people what was out there because mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be afraid. And as corny as it sounds, I truly believe that the world would be a better place if everyone traveled, saw the world, met people, realized that, you know, 97% of the people are good and only a few percent are bad and they get, and they're the ones that 
get the headlines. So they try to scare people. That's so important. One of my questions for you is, why is travel so important? What What is it that makes travel such a redeeming pursuit? Uh, as long as you travel the right way with the right mindset, what about it, about travel for you is so important? Yeah, I mean, it teaches you to have an open mind, first of all. And you know, if I had any prejudices growing up, which I didn't because my parents were amazing and I grew up, you know, in a place where ever, it was very diverse. But you know, you, you still watch the news. And I just remember people calling me up. They're like, you're going to Malaysia. Are you crazy? You're going to get your head cut off. I was like, I don't do drugs or anything. They were like, they're going to plant it on you. I'm like, no, they're not. But they had me paranoid. So I would zip up my, I would shake my suitcases, zip them up, lock them up. And then when I get to these countries, I was like, oh my God, I feel safer there than I do at home, which is really sick, mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I just realized that, you know, all around the world, the, the majority of people are good, really good and nice. And, you know, when you watch the news, you're like, you know, kill those people. But when you're there, you're like, love these people. These people are families and they, they have loved ones. I, I'm, I'm very much on the same page with you there. Travel is so important because it opens your eyes to people doing things differently, but no better or worse, just differently. And that's what makes this world such a beautiful place. If I am going to kind of uh, bleed towards hippiness, you know, a hippie style outlook. But, you know, it really is beautiful when you go to a completely opposite side of the world and just really dive into the culture and immerse yourself in it. And the minute that you can get beyond just a straight comparison back to what you're familiar with, I think that's what good travel's all about myself. I think it's so important to, you know, not just say, oh, the traffic is crazier here or, or they, they talk so much louder here or there's so many more crowds. If you can forget where you come from and just pretend to be a temporary local, I think that's what what it's all about. So um, sure. it, it'd be fun to uh, explore a new place with you. But I I bet there's not too many places you haven't been. No, you know what? I there are plenty of places. A lot, you know, I go to a lot of the same places over and over for work or or just because I love them. So I, you know, my wife and I think I've been, we've been to 65 countries as a couple together. And I think I've been to maybe 20 more by myself or 30, 40 more. Cause I, I have people on the show who, who travel a ton and you know, it's, it's a, it's a question of quantity or quality, having the luxury of spending some time in a place to actually integrate and plug in a little bit and soak in the culture has great value, but there's also something to be said for seeing a lot of the world. How do you balance those two? Well, it'd be nice to spend a lot more time in destinations. I am unfortunately on the go a lot. I don't know if it's because I have ADHD, if I even do. But, um, you know, a lot of times I'm just jumping around to different places and I like to see a lot. You know, I'm not the kind of person who just likes to hang out on the beach. I just I can't lay on the beach. I like to sightsee and see things. Um, and so I, I kind of do that when I'm traveling. I'm, I'm always looking at other stuff. But this summer, I'm going to go to Canada. My wife's from Canada. I'm going to spend two months there. So, you know, I, I'll do that kind of stuff more now. Now that I have a baby. We just had a baby six months ago. Oh, congratulations. So, thank you. So our travel slowed down a little bit internationally, but um, <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, because after two months in a place, I'll be like, why, you know, I've, I've walked down the street too many times. It's time to get on to the next place. I'm sure you get a little stir crazy. For sure. I mean, it all depends where you are, but there are other times where, you know, I just like being there and I, and I get comfortable at that place and I don't really want to leave. And actually it's the same kind of thing when I'm at home, you know, when I'm home, I usually don't want to leave, but when I leave, I usually don't want to come home. 
Well, that was at least before I had a baby. Now that I have a baby, I just want to go home. Yeah, it's a grass is greener situation. Right. We'll be right back after this short break. This episode of Andy Steve's Travel is brought to you by our break trips. Whether it's summer, fall, or spring break, have a blast across our favorite cities in Europe. We've got the best of Central Europe covering Berlin, Prague, Krakow, and Budapest. And of course, our Italian extravaganza, Rome, Florence, Cinque Terre, Pisa, and Venice. These cities sell themselves, and we pack them with some epic adventures into a quick 10-day visit. They kick off on Fridays and finish the following Sunday. Plus, take 10 euros off any trip when you book with the promo code ASTPODCAST. Check them out at andysteves.com slash breaktrips. Let's get back to the show. When it comes to hopping around and, and jet setting the world, for me to have peace of mind, I have to lock in my accommodation. I have to lock in my flight, you know, weeks or months in advance, just so that I'm not constantly thinking, I got to get that flight to Budapest. Whereas I have friends who wait until the day before to fly around the world, and they just know that they'll be able to find a hotel or a bed somewhere. I'm curious about you. Where do you right. fall on that spectrum? Are you a type A planner, got to have everything lined up, or are you kind of fly by the seat of your pants? A little bit of both. Um, although one time my old girlfriend was a United flight attendant and um, we would just fly places last minute. We'd look up loads and say, we'll fly to Australia first class for like $100. So we would just go, get to Australia. And I remember one time we were there and they had this little you know hotel desk right at the airport where they, you can usually get really good hotel bookings. A lot of times, most places you can't, like you don't get good deals, but in Sydney, you used to be able to. And she, the woman's like, are you crazy? This is our biggest summer weekend of the year. And I had no idea it was you know, wintertime back home. And um, there was like, there's nothing available. And I was just realized like, oh my God, we're, we're gonna sleep in the airport tonight. <laughs> Luckily I had a friend there and they were able to get us in a hotel. Since then, I've now I now like to book my hotel at least the first night in advance, just so I don't have to sleep on the bench. Because you show up so, so exhausted, disoriented, jet lagged, and just wanting a place to you know take your shoes off. And, and if you're right. stuck without a place to to hang your hat, that's that's no fun at all. That's happened once or twice, and I was like, oh, never again. Yeah, but, you got to you got to make sure that there's not a holiday going on. So contact your friends on Facebook, do some mm-hmm. research. And just make sure there's no big event or a big conference. Like San Francisco is notorious for these huge conferences where everything sells out. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, if there are any rooms, they're going to be a thousand dollars for something that's nor- normally a hundred dollars. Right. <laughs> so, and your hands are tied. You're committed. You got to be there if that's your plan. Yeah. So, um, yeah. hey, speaking of last minute travel plan changes, I want to talk about what happened yesterday. Um, so it's my understanding this doctor was on the plane. Uh, United Airlines. This is in Chicago. United Airlines oversold the flight. Um, they asked for volunteers for. 
four hundred bucks and a night in a hotel um, as compensation. Nobody took it. They bumped it. They doubled it to eight hundred bucks cash, um, and still nobody took it. So they randomly selected to one degree or another four passengers, and one of them really didn't want to go and got physically dragged off from airport security. I I almost don't want to ask you a specific question. I'm just dying to get your take. <laughs> Yeah. No, I've actually done a lot of interviews about this. So it actually is more of an operations um, problem because although it is, it was oversold. I mean, the book, the flight was full and then four United crew showed up and they had to put them on the ne- They had to be on this plane because they were going to be on the next flight in the morning that they needed to work. So they needed to get four volunteers and they asked and they couldn't get them. Supposedly they went up to a thousand dollars, which I just saw in the news. I don't know if I believe that, but you know, the whole thing should have been avoided by just keep going higher. They should have just kept going. Will anyone do it for a thousand, fifteen hundred? They, you keep going, someone's going to bite. And this whole thing would have could have been avoided. Hopefully, they'll make that into a law where they that they just can't involuntarily book uh, bump people. That you you have to voluntarily. And there's always a price for somebody. And I, it's happened to me before. I mean, I've I've been involuntary and I've been voluntarily bumped. Usually I'll take the money. And the time I was involuntary is when I was flying with my old girlfriend's uh, flight pass because you have no, you know, if, if a paying customer comes up, they, they boot you right off the plane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's uh, that's just part of the standby game. Right. But voluntary, I mean, it's a way. I love it because I, I a lot of times book my flights, you know, around really busy holidays. And I go usually I go to Hawaii for New Year's. So I'll book a flight you know, the day after New Year's or the second or whatever that that Sunday is because everyone has to be back in work. And you can, the flights are so oversold. They're always trying to say, we'll give you a thousand dollars. I'm like, sure, <laughs> then I'll spend another night in, in Hawaii. I'll do it again the next day. It's just a great way to rack up some money. And one of my friends actually wrote a post uh, two days ago. She did it with Delta over the weekend. She made eleven thousand dollars in Yikes. cash for her and her family. Holy cow. So, but, but back to the guy, I mean, it should have never happened. They should have never pulled the guy off like that. It was just United is really at an all-time low right now. I mean, they've had some some time public relations disasters in the last couple of weeks. And I actually used to be a big-time United freaking flyer, and I stopped flying them about 10 years ago when I saw that they were just starting to go downhill. Then I I thought I thought they were ready to go up, uphill, but it looks like but it's not so much. a little bit more time. At what point do you draw a line between all these kind of isolated incidents. I mean, that's such a, such a rare occurrence for something like this to happen. And then what, whatever other situations you're referring to, these are all pressure cooker situations. People are frustrated, tired, desperate to get where they want to go. Traveling is, can be an intense experience. Not everybody travels every other day like yourself. So, so random stuff happens. How do you decide the better airlines or the, the, the more challenging ones? Well, it's been their it's been their response, really. You know, the CEO then sent a letter out to everybody saying that they back he backs all the gate agents and all the decisions and things like that, mm. which you know they should be backing the, the the customer. I mean, this was just this was just wrong the way they handled it. Again, I, I, it it could have been avoided. They just need to do better training, and you can just tell, you know, the whole atmosphere at at these airlines. You, you know. When the when they see the CEO are making millions or the, the executives and the and they're cutting everything from the from the flight crew and the ground crew, you just know they're unhappy. And um, that's when I would start avoiding the different airlines. 
One thing that I've uh, learned over time is under the surface secrets or messaging that uh, the airline industry is able to pass each other while on a flight or just ways to communicate that just kind of go over the head of a lot of passengers. In other words, like the, the bells, if it's like one tone, that means something. If it's two, what are some of the interesting ones that you've picked up along, on the road? Well, I mean, I know right when we hit 10,000 feet, because that's when I turn on my laptop and start getting on to like go, go <laughs> yeah. flight internet. I'm always on Wi-Fi. That's how I pass time now on planes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Plane rides used to be such torture for me because I would just sit there. You know, that was this is before entertainment systems and things like that. And now, you know, now we have the laptops. I can, now sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, the plane's landing already. I, I, I haven't finished my work. Yeah. So yeah. I know I know right when that 10,000 feet um, hits because that's you know I know it ding and I'm like all right time to get all to right, work here we go <laughs> you know and I also I'm very aware when I'm on a plane so I'm always looking to see you know maybe it was right after 9/11 I, st- I started um, becoming more aware you know I try to make friends with the flight crew as as well so you know I wait until after they do the meal service if it's a long flight because and then the, usually they're just hanging out in the galley they're bored out of their minds because yeah. they can't sit on their computer. They have to, you know, sit there. So they love talking to passengers for the most part, yeah. as long as they're not creepy or, um, you know, bugging them from their doing their work. Or having a hard day. Yeah. yeah. So they, so then they'll tell you all kinds of information. That's how I get a lot of information. It's, it's, um, all right. so buddy up. I think that my number one tip is just to be genuinely nice to people, especially flight crew and gate agents. Yeah. I mean, yeah, these yeah. guys can make or break your trip and it's amazing to see how so many people are not, they take out their problems. They just treat them like they're, they're cattle. And it's just, it's ridiculous. I've seen that happen all the time where people, of course, it's possible to have a frustrating day at the airport for sure, a tiring day at the airport. But when you go up to this person that you've never seen or talked to before in your life and you bring all the emotional baggage of your day and just throw it at them, that's not going to get you very far. It's so important to just go calmly if you have a situation that you got to resolve to the customer service desk and and just figure out with a smile on your face uh, how to to find a solution. And if you do it, like you're saying, in a nice way... a smile goes goes a million miles, you know. For sure, you just don't be a jerk. I mean, my wife and I last year were were flying from Portugal, Lisbon to Frankfurt to catch a flight to Doha, and I really wanted to get on this flight. It was an A three fifty. It was a, it was the first Air A three fifty out there. We we were delayed. We ran to the gate, and the guy's like, "We shut the door. It's too late." And you know, if I was a jerk, that's it. But I was like, "Oh man." That sucks. And I told him, and then you know what? Next thing you know, he opened the door for us. And that yeah. rarely ever happens. But yeah. if I was a jerk, you could bet that would, that would have not happened. Yeah, exactly. Is that the, um, that's the big Airbus that's like full double level, right? That's and, seven. No, no, that's the A380. Oh, okay. So the A350 right. is like, is, is Airbus's answer to Boeing 787. The Dreamliner. Which, exactly. It's, it's their answer to it. They have nice big windows. Um, the air is fresh in there, you know, it's supposed to be like, I think 6,000 feet instead of 8,000 feet, mm-hmm. the toilets, you can just wave, you don't have to touch anything. You can just wave and it will, um, open the toilet seat and, and flush it in the wow. faucet, things like that. That's incredible. I grew up in Edmonds, and which is just 20 minutes north of Seattle. Uh, over the last few years, we've seen the fuselages for the 787s going up and down on the trains from, I don't know where they're made, but, but they're going up to Everett, the next city up, to be assembled up there. And it's just incredible to see these plane fuselages being carried by trains up and down the rails. Yeah, I've, I've been fortunate to go to uh, Boeing's headquarters and, and watch these planes be assembled. It's really awesome. And actually, I've been to, 
I've been to your dad's office in Edmonds oh. and do do the radio show. Oh, very cool, very cool. I enjoyed listening to that interview. I uh, I was doing my best <laughs> to come up with different questions for you. <laughs> okay. Hey, speaking of my dad, my dad told me there's never any free lunch, and for all the travel that my dad does, um, he does not belong or subscribe to any sort of mileage plan or any sort of point system. And growing up, I was pulling my hair out because like, dad, how are you throwing all these miles out the window? How do you not want to get involved in this? And he just brings a healthy skepticism of, you know, there has to be some trick, there has to be something that that they're profiting off of when you sign up for these points and, and mileage uh, systems. For, for me, I've just never been a part of it. Can you kind of walk me and our listeners through the basics of it and maybe uh, point us to a resource that we can look up for further information for sure so do you still not do you or do you follow your dad do you not sign up to uh freaking flyer programs I haven't. And my primary reason is because whether I, you know, I fly around and travel a lot in the States, um, more in South America these days, but also a lot in, in Europe. And I, I understand that there's relationships between all these different airlines, but I just about always just go for the cheapest option that, that works best in my time, uh, needs. So you're right. I'm starting from, from zero. Gotcha. Well, when I first started out working at the college, mileage was so much more lucrative. They would get bonuses. They, it was so much easier to use and, um, it, it was really worth it. So I would, if I was flying LA to Albuquerque, I would fly United to Denver to go to Albuquerque instead of take the nonstop on Southwest because I wanted those miles. So the airlines now have realized that before they were giving one mile per mile flown. So if you flew LA to Europe, it's 5,000 miles one way. And you would get 5,000 miles. Today, they're giving you a percentage of what you paid for the ticket. So if you found a cheap ticket, so let's say $500, uh, for a general member, they usually just give five miles per dollar spent. So mm -hmm. that would be 2,500 miles. Gotcha. So you get gotcha. half that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You should still sign up to all these different programs, especially hotels too, because hotels now will give you free Wi-Fi if you're a member, just if you're a member, that's how they're trying. Or, or some of them you have to sign up, you have to book your room through their website. That's what they all want. All the airlines and webs and hotels want you to book through their channels. They don't want you to go to third parties, Expedia and things like that. They don't want to pay that. So that's why mm -hmm. the hotels are like, you know, you book through Marriott.com, we'll give you free, free Wi-Fi instead of $16 a day. So that's a, that's a marketing effort to, to not have to spend commission fees on, on third-party websites. And right. they're trying to figure out what value they can offer customers without having to pay necessarily any more on their, on their side. Right. But if you fly a lot, you definitely want to be loyal to one airline and even one hotel brand because you'll get all these perks. So now, right now I've been flying American a lot. I fly over 100,000 miles a year on American. Almost every time I fly, I get upgraded for free. So I've been doing New York, LA. I did three times in the last 10 days. Every time I got upgraded. And oh, those okay. seats are usually $2,500 each way. And I'm paying, you know, $250 and I'm getting upgraded. Again, I, I don't find out to the last minute on a lot of them. And I, and I choose flights where business travelers aren't typically on, like on a Thursday or a Friday. I'll fly Saturday night. So I know I'll get upgraded and things like that. But if you're just flying, you know, 25,000 miles, you still want to do it because you'll still get some perks where you'll be able to sit in an exit row for no extra fees. You'll save $100 maybe. But that saves money. And also check bags. And, and, and the, big, the big game right now is the credit cards. 
So as long as you can pay off your credit card bill in full, you have to pay it in full. Mm-hmm. Um, you should get one of these rewards cards where they're offering, you know, 50,000 miles or a hundred thousand points, depending on what, what the offer is. You got to wait for a really good deal and then you jump on it. But it's not like the old days where you could keep getting credit cards and, and churning them. Now there's all kinds of rules and only letting you have these bonuses one time, or you can only have five cards within uh, two years. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. if you get these credit cards, you can then use these points for you know really expensive hotel rooms or first class flights. It's a game, so you really really just got to um, do your research and figure out what works for you. But I, I think you're leaving a lot of points on the table, where <laughs> you know I think you're probably sitting in coach a lot of the times when you could be sitting up front. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things that I'm like I. Sh- I got to get on it, but I just, I haven't, I haven't figured it out yet. So, but I'm sure as of course we can go to your website, uh, johnnyjet.com and begin to dig into a lot of resources about point systems, good credit cards to use and things like that. Right. For sure. But these days now the airlines are really cutting back. So unless you're an ultra, ultra freaking flyer, you really want to just not get sucked into the game. You want to just do what you've been doing, fly, whatever is the quickest route and whatever is the cheapest. And the airlines have now, you know, taking all these benefits away from frequent flyers before they would make the first class flights so expensive that the only way you could afford it is if you're a big time business traveler or really rich or if you had miles. Now they're like, you know what, let's just make a little bit of money. Now you can buy upgrades at the at the airport 24 hours in advance or right when you're checking in for your flight for $250 go across the pond sometimes. And that, that was unheard of back then. So business travelers are upset because they're like, oh, my God, my upgrade, I'm not getting a free upgrade anymore. And it's bringing up the riffraff from the back. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the riffraff is happy. And yeah. I'm part of the riffraff. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, that, that's an interesting point, and I'd love to get into that, is uh, you say that airlines are cutting back. What I've seen over the last few years is all businesses, whether they're airlines or hotels, hostels for sure here in Europe, um, and, and all sorts of other services are now making you pay for what you used to get for free and cutting away other things so that it's like a privilege to get, you know, legroom that has always been standard or uh, to, to check a bag costs 25 bucks no matter what these days. Have you seen that laddering as well? And do you think it'll ever stop? These airlines have really smart people in their headquarters that are figuring out how else they can get another uh, nickel and dime out of you. Without a doubt. It's the computer systems have really changed everything. Now they can track everything. They know exactly what things cost. So the so the big problem is competition. So now they're, all these major corporations are gobbling up others. And so they're, you know, they're decreasing the competition. So there's no incentive for them to, to, to offer these other things. They're just like, let's just make as much money as we can. So as long as you can pack light, you know, they're making the money in other ways. They're charging for bags, some charging for carry on. Um, food, seat assignments, things like that. So you got to be smart. You got to read all the fair rules carefully. But now the big airlines like United, American, and Delta, they're all coming out with these basic economy fares because they're trying to match Spirit Airlines and Frontier, which have been making so much money, but they have you know the, the least amount of legroom. They're just charged for everything. And now, like you know, with United, you if you buy one of those low fares. You can't even bring a carry-on on the plane unless it fits underneath the seat in front of you. You cannot use yeah. the overhead bin. Yeah. So you have to read everything carefully. You usually board last. You don't. You can't change your ticket no matter what. Uh-huh. There are uh-huh. ways around it. So you gotta you gotta figure that out. 
Now to find these cheap flights, I'm curious about your go-to technique. For me, I've been using several search engines and do like the same search across the board and then drill down and then I book directly with that airline. Um, And then Google Flights came along and man, I've been loving that because it gives you so much flexibility. But I'm dying to to hear your take. I love Google Flights. So, you know, obviously I have a search engine on my site. So what I like about that is you put in your city pairs, you put in the dates, and then you can click different things. You can click Expedia, Kayak, and they all open up at once. Because you need, there's not really one website out there that has the cheapest fare. And once you find it, you have to, then you go to the airline directly and see if they're offering that same price. If they are, then you book through the airline. If they're not, then you book through that third party. But yeah, Google Flights does a really good job. And also what I like about Google Flights is that you can easily price out premium economy, business class, and first class. And a lot of people don't realize that sometimes you can find cheaper prices for business or first than it is for coach, depending on the routing. Very rare, but it's happened many times for me. And um, Mm -hmm. you know, I just bought a ticket last summer. I was going from New York to Minneapolis for work, and it was $900 in coach. But first was $300. I'm like, no <laughs> hello, I'm going to buy the first class ticket. Yes, so, please. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. Imagine that. That's right. Let's definitely give a plug for, for johnnyjet.com and we can find the booking tool in the travel resources. Yeah. My real thing is about newsletters. So I have a, three different newsletters. Uh, I have a daily travel tip. I have a deals newsletter. So whenever I see these really good deals, like those $65 deals, I send out a newsletter. I don't do it very often, but I, when I see the good deals and also have a weekly newsletter that I've been doing since 1995, where I put in a really cool new travel website or a travel app and, or travel book. Like I featured yours recently and things like that. So that's johnnyjet.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y-J-E-T.com. One T. I'm not related to Joan Jet. if you even know who Joan Jet is. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh my God. That's, I'm dating myself. Joan Jet was big in the eighties. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I've been I've been enjoying that newsletter for for years. And uh, thank you very much for for the call out for the book. It's been it's been a fun project, man. And man, it's a lot of work. But I'm back over here in Europe, just plugging away, researching, making sure everything's up to date. So been uh, it's a learning experience, but I absolutely love it. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And hopefully we can do this again sometime in the future, maybe even in Europe in person. I'd love that. I love that. Let's wrap up with what's next. Are you, what's on the horizon here? Any big projects, any visits to, to Europe or anything like that? You know what? I do plan on, I'm going to a conference in uh, October in Ireland and I plan on making my son's first trip to Europe and we just got my son's passport. He just, he's six and a half months old. So he's going to do his first plane ride next month and then his first, uh, international actually he's going to canada so that will be his first international but then we're gonna hop over the pond and we'll see how it goes i'm gonna be a daddy blogger that'll be great there you go johnny thank you so much for your time thank you so much for joining me and it's always great to see you and catch up a little bit here happy travels buddy you too thank you Thanks again for listening. Find all show details, links, and tips at andysteves.com. You can connect with WSA Europe, Andy's tour company, at WSA Europe on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next time. Happy travels.